0: Romans chapter 1 and we're going to dive right in tonight to the message what time are we at how we're doing good on time my ipad is charged to 70 percent so we're in better shape tonight than what we were this morning by the end of the second service i think got down to 12 percent so but um romans chapter 1 verse number 8 first i thank my god through jesus christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, to the end ye may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you, by the mutual faith both of you and me. Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I proposed to come unto you, but was, let, but was led hereto that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you, that are at Rome also. Father, I pray that you bless our time tonight. Thank you for your word and for your faithfulness. Thank you for this passage of Scripture. There's so much here, and I know we look at it and we're like, he's just saying a few things to the church here at Rome. What is here that I could get for my life? There's a lot right here tonight. I pray that you'd open up our eyes and help us tonight. I pray that you would just guide us in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. In life... One of the best things, one of the things that's helped me, I've been in, I went to Bible college for four years. I've been through all those classes, been through a lot of different things. And I would say that the Lord's blessed me in my life with some great men of God who've helped me mature as a Christian. Now, when I say that tonight, I'm talking about men who lived their lives and were true to God. There wasn't a hidden agenda for themselves. I've been around those types of men too, where it's really all about them and them building their own kingdom and their own agenda with things. I've been around both sides of it. And I'll tell you, there are several people that have helped mold me and help me become what I am today. I mentioned before in the past, one of those would have been uh, My Sunday school teacher, David, is named after him, and he passed away when I was in 11th grade, and he was a huge influence on my life, and really taught me a lot of great things. I go on a list of different things, but what I appreciate is, and what we need more of in this world, and those of you sitting in this room, and something that we see tonight with Paul as we dive a little deeper here, as we will in a few minutes, that. We need to display Jesus for those around us. We need to be real. We need to be genuine Christians in what we say and what we do completely. And that's what we see with Paul. It's one of the things I appreciate greatly about Paul and that we'll look at tonight and as we dive into this passage. But what I love and what we see that we see about Paul, and as he opens up here, and I know you look at this and it's like, what is he? Basically, how am I supposed to take Paul's opening of his letter and how am I supposed to apply it to my life? There's so much here to apply to our lives. You know, as you would write a letter, you would go, dear so-and-so, and and you would explain a few things, get to the main point of your your message, close it out, sign it sincerely, so-and-so, and move on from it. Paul starts out writing to the church at Rome, and he gives his credentials and where he stands and all these different things. And then Paul gets to, from verse eight to verse number 15 that we're looking at tonight, really his motive behind writing a letter to the church at Rome. That's the whole point of these verses here tonight. And when the first seven verses, Paul just introduced himself and gave the claim of his apostleship and his standing as he opened up his letter. But we see that Paul really moves further and gives some genuine details about himself and his heart. And that's what we see in verse 8 through verse number 15. And in these eight verses, the Apostle Paul, he reveals nine character traits of genuine Christian character that every Christian of every stripe, of every walk of life, needs in their life. And so tonight I want to take a little bit of time and I want to talk about what every Christian should be. And Paul gives us great examples of this found in the verses that we just read. And so we're going to go through here tonight, and what I'd like you to do is look at these areas as we talk about Paul and see where you measure up. See what areas you need to work on in your own life and see where you can go with things. And you'll notice tonight, notice with me what every Christian should be. Number one, every Christian should be thankful. Every Christian should be thankful. We see this in verse number 8. Look at what he says. Is he, after he gives his credentials here in Romans chapter number 1, we see verse number 8 says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. And as Paul begins, now I did, your notes that you have there. Anybody, let me look at your notes. for Joyce, let me see your notes for a second. And so I'm just looking at how I did this. Okay, good. That's, I was hoping I did it that way. But sometimes, we'll just say, when I get my notes ready for Jay, I do it late at night. And so sometimes I don't even know if he can read what I'm trying to say. And he has to decipher sometimes. And then Mona pieces them together. And so between the two of them, they piece together what I throw together late at night. And so I just want to make sure I was on that same page, make sure my brain was working correctly. But we see every Christian should be thankful and as Paul begins to talk to the church in Rome there, he gives them his motives and he tells them the fact that he's thankful for this church. Now, just think about this with me for a minute. Paul started a lot of churches. Paul did not start the church in Rome. And this is a, this is a very powerful thing when you look at it because many men would have been jealous of the church at Rome and all that God was using them to do but we don't see and that's one thing you got to understand Christianity we're not in competition with others. If a church and someone's doing the work of God and sharing the gospel and a church is doing the work of God, be thankful for them and what they do. And Paul doesn't get envious here. He's thankful for this church and he didn't start this church. And he noticed that these people, the church at Rome was talked about by the entire world their faith. This was a good church. Doing great things for God. And as we look at this, everywhere that Paul traveled, he's basically saying people were talking about that church in Rome. Every one of us could learn a great lesson from Paul in this passage. And I think that God would have his children to be a thankful people. And we see that Paul was thankful. In fact, I know that God wants us to be thankful. We talked about this morning. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, and everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And we would do well to get a spirit of thankfulness and thank God. And those that do think, you know, we look in our world. The Bible talks about perilous times are going to come. One of the things that it talks about, I mentioned in the second service, not the first one this morning. It's funny. It's not. You really could stay for the first service and the second service, and it's almost like you get the full package because there's stuff I don't say in the first one and stuff that's said in the second one. It's almost like two different messages at times. But it says there's going to be a generation that's unthankful. And I think we're pretty close to that today. I gave the example in the second service today. I got a phone call yesterday. Someone was calling for our turkey giveaway. They're like, is all you're giving out turkeys? Yep, that's it. I said, our church people gave their hard-earned money so that you could have a turkey. What else are you giving? No, there's nothing else. Just I don't like turkey. Then don't come. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. But just that attitude. We had one car pull up yesterday. It was a nice car. I'm not going to go into too great of detail because we have a lot of people here, but I dealt with that car, and I went up to that car, and they're like, are you giving out groceries too? Like, maybe if you didn't spend so much on your car payment right here. But I didn't say that. They could have lost their job. They could have been going through a tough time. But they were disappointed. Just, just a turkey? Just a turkey. But then you had some that came yesterday from the other side of LA to get a turkey. A $12 turkey to spend $20 in gas going back and forth. I don't quite understand that. But they were so grateful. But it's important, and we got to learn as the people of God just to be thankful. And many Christians are not very thankful this evening. And maybe you even look, we watched that video a minute ago, and there were some funny parts to it, but there are a lot of Christians who are struggling with being thankful this year. But the Bible says, in everything, give thanks. And that's what we're supposed to do. You might say, well, I don't like the circumstances of life. I don't like these things going on. Hey, Christian, You're still supposed to be thankful. And I know it's tough at times. And you might not totally understand. Get a doctor's call. How are you supposed to be thankful for a bad doctor's call? Tough one to answer. But remember, we don't thank God based on our circumstances. We thank God based on who he is. And God is a good God and he's there through all things. And one of the things tonight as we look at the message tonight, every Christian should be thankful How does one go about cultivating a thankful spirit? Well, we see right here, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. The real answer lies in placing Jesus Christ at the center of all you do. If your sufficiency is Christ, you're going to be thankful because you realize all that he's done for you and what he's done in our lives. And that's why the Bible, we read verses this morning, we're supposed to be content with such things as he have, for I will never leave you and I'll never forsake you. And the Bible is very clear. The secret to being satisfied in life and being thankful is that Jesus is the source. Put him at the center of your life. Every Christian should be thankful. Number two, and before we get to number two, just a little side point. Something that I love, if you look at the end of verse number eight, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. You know, they didn't have, in this day, they didn't have Facebook, they didn't have social media, they didn't have the news, they didn't have television, they didn't have radio, they had nothing. But what God was doing with the church in Rome was spraying people everywhere, heard it and knew what was going on. And may I just tell you tonight, I believe that every church and every Christian needs the testimony of the church at Rome. Because as we read in this passage right here, their faith was spoken of throughout the world. May that be said of our church. May those around us think that that church lives out their faith. And not to build us up, not to make us great, but to make our God great. No, that's what we want right now. We look at our world, and you look at the craziness in our world, and you look at churches keeping their doors closed and all these different things. We don't have our doors open so we can brag about the fact our doors are open. We have our doors open because we have faith in our God, and we're going to worship him no matter what man tells us. That's what it comes down to. That's what it's all about. And may we have that testimony that that church had, whether we're at home, on the job, at the market, or anywhere. There should be a testimony that marks that we belong to the King of Kings. Number two, not only should every Christian be thankful, but every Christian should be committed. Committed to God. Look at the beginning of verse number nine. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son. And not only should every Christian be, um, as we look at this tonight, not only should every Christian Be thankful, but every Christian should be committed to God. And that's what Paul says right here, for God is my witness. And that's a powerful statement right there. God knows Paul's heart. God saw everything with Paul. He says, for God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son. And we see that Paul's letting and telling them that he's totally committed to God. Hey, every word that Paul spoke, everything that he wrote, everywhere he went, Paul was a living testament. He was committed to do what God called him to do with his life. And this is probably the reason why Paul was successful in his ministry for the Lord. And I want you to understand something. In my opinion, there's no greater form of worship to God than a Christian who's fully surrendered and committed to the cause of Christ. I don't know where this message finds you tonight, but I know that there's areas that we can work on. Maybe you can work on your thankfulness. Maybe you can work on your commitment to God. And you notice in that verse it says, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son. Do you notice that word serve? It's the same word that's translated in other verses in the New Testament for the word worship. Very powerful when you think about it. Great form of worship. Sometimes we think of worship by raising our hands in song during church. And I would say that that can be a form of worship. I believe our giving is a form of worship. Giving of yourself to God is a great form of worship. And Paul, as we read these verses and we see more of his heart, we see tonight that every Christian should be thankful, but every Christian, number two, should be committed to God. Is your life committed to God? The Bible says in Romans 12, verse 1 and 2 there, I beseech you, therefore, brother, by the mercies of God, that ye present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. After all God has done for you and me, we should be committed to him. Number three. So every Christian should be thankful. Every Christian should be committed. Number three, every Christian should be prayerful. We keep on reading here, verse number nine, for God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. Paul's primary ministry was to preach the gospel, and I think we see that throughout the epistles that Paul wrote. But he had a secondary ministry that was very vital, and that was a prayer ministry. If you'll notice as you read Paul's letters to these churches, Paul made an effort to pray for the people in these churches. We see it right here that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. And you know, I hear a lot of Christians a lot of times, hey, I'm praying for you, brother. Are they really praying? I hear a lot of people say that. I say it. Do you sincerely pray for people or do you just say that you pray for them? I know that if the Lord allowed Paul, under inspiration of God, to pin the words that he always made mention of the church of Rome in his prayers, that Paul always made mention of the church at Rome in his prayers. It wasn't a falsehood, it was the truth. And every Christian should be prayerful. He made prayer a priority, and the Roman believers were never taken off of his prayer list. He prayed for them. And, you know, we don't see here what did he specifically pray for, for this church, what exactly it was. But what I want you to understand is he, it might be just like he prayed for the church at Ephesus, that they would know the love of Christ. You read Paul's epistles and you see he prayed certain things, that they would know the love of Christ. And we go on to so many different things. But Paul was a man of prayer. And one thing we got to remember in our prayers, sometimes in our prayers we're very selfish in prayer. It's always about us and what we need. But if you notice with Paul, and let me just say, let's be careful as I say that tonight. There is nothing wrong with you praying for yourself. That's biblical. It's in the Bible. You should pray for yourself. Paul prayed for himself. I sought the Lord three times that he would take this thing away from me. You see other places, the prayer of Jabez in the Old Testament, he prayed for himself. It's not a sin to pray for yourself. But if that's the only prayer that you do, there's a problem. Prayer should not be selfish in nature, and it should be spiritual, and it should be on the behalf of others. If you look at how prayer should be, there's a spot in prayer for yourself, and we're supposed to cast all our care upon him because he cares for us. But in prayer, not only should should you pray for yourself, but you should be praying for others. Isn't that what Jesus did? Over and over again, he prayed for others. He interceded on the behalf of others. And what a lesson that is for us tonight. How much of our praying is selfish in nature? Lord, help me. Lord, bless my family. Lord, meet my needs. When's the last time Lord helped so-and-so? Help that person with their struggles. We need to pray for one another. What a great lesson that is for us tonight. Every Christian should be thankful. Every Christian should be committed to God. Every Christian should be prayerful. How's your prayer life tonight? Who is the main topic of your prayers? You or others? I'm sure there's some things that we can improve in this area. Number four, Every Christian should be surrendered. Every Christian should be surrendered. Look at verse number 10. Making request, if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. And Paul didn't stop with prayers for others, but he also prayed that he might be an instrument of God used in answering the prayers for this church. Think about that with me. Paul's desire was to travel to Rome, and Paul was willing to surrender to the will of God. And that's how Paul lived his life. If you go with me to Acts 16, do you have that reference, Acts 16, 6 and 7? It says, Now when he had gone throughout Perga and the regions of Galatia, and were forbidden the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Malaysia, they assayed to go unto Bithia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And you'll see that Paul had these desires over and over again, but he laid aside his plans and went where the Spirit told him to go. Now, we could get to the point, you know, you could look later on in Paul's ministry. I, it's a tough one. I don't like to judge Paul's life and what the right things and wrong things were because Paul's a far better Christian than me. But should Paul have gone to Jerusalem? I think, in, I think it's Acts 21 He had many people that the Holy Spirit used to tell him not to go, but he still went. That's another message for another time. But we need to be surrendered to God. And we already talked about being committed to God, but this area of surrender, each of us needs that. We need to give in to God and his will. We are all stubborn. I know there are a lot of stubborn people sitting in this room. Your pastor is very stubborn. I am. But God's will should matter. And we need to surrender ourselves to what God wants. And Paul says, I have a great desire to be with you here in Rome, if the Lord will, will, if the Lord will allow. And every Christian should be surrendered. We need a heart like that, a heart that God can use for his glory because that's the type of heart that Jesus had. Lord, not my will, but thine be done. Isn't that what Jesus said? Every Christian should be surrendered. Number five, we're moving through these. Number five, every Christian should be usable. Every Christian should be usable. Look at verse number 11. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, to the end ye may be established. We see that Paul continues to get in deeper to his heart for the church here in Rome, and he tells them why he wanted to come to them in Rome. He wanted to share with them the gifts that God had given him. It's as if Paul was trying to tell them there the church in Romans, God has blessed me with some special things, and I want to come to Rome and share them with you so that you might grow in the things of the Lord. And as we look at this, I don't believe that Paul's talking about his spiritual gifts that God had given him, what I believe he's talking about, and as we look at this, is that Paul is saying that he's willing to come to them and be used of God as God sees fit. God, had, God used Paul in a great way. Paul wanted to be able to use what God had put in his life to help someone else. And that's how every Christina should be usable. <laughs> I just saw that right now. <laughs> And so, how many of you didn't even catch that on the screen up there? Yeah, every Christina should be usable. So if you see Christina Lopez after the service tonight, she's helping those kids in the front room. Every Christina should be usable, okay? Don't forget that. And um, I was looking at like Christina, every Christian, that's what I was supposed to say right there. And I love the fact that Paul was willing to come to them and just to be used of God, and may I just say, that should be every Christian's goal, just to be used of God. Every Christian should be usable. You know, God places you in a church. God has a place for you in the church that he places you. And in that place, there's something for you to do. And how important that is, there's a great need today for people in the church and community who are not primarily interested in their own agenda. You know, Paul wasn't that way. Sometimes you have people who want to help, and I've been pastoring now over 10 years, and sometimes the thing that scares me the most, and not always, but every once in a while, I have a new family come, and they're coming from a different church, and the first thing they tell me, they invite me over to their house, and pastor, I'm the best teacher on this side of the Mississippi. I can teach people, I can do this, and what they try and it's happened a few times. I give you names of people, but I'm not going to do that. but their goal is to push their agenda. And you know, they'll pastor, come over to eat, and you should change this like this. You've only been coming to church for a week or two, and you want the church to change on? The, they try to push our, you know, in ministry, it's not about pushing my agenda, it's not about pushing your agenda. Do you know whose agenda we're supposed to be pushing? His. And God's looking for people who will just be usable. And our main goal should just be usable. God, anything you have for me, I'm willing to do. If you want me to make green bean casserole, I'm willing to make green bean casserole for you, Lord, whatever the case may be. Can you honestly say tonight that your life, that you're a vessel that just wants God to use you? Every Christian should want to be used of God. And when it comes to that, there shouldn't be any agendas behind it. It's not about having the name or title. It's about Jesus Christ. Every Christina should be usable. Number six, every Christian should be humble. Every Christian should be humble. Now, I have several commentaries that I'm reading through, and I got a phone call the other day from evangelist Joe Mark. He's supposed to be with us in January. It was our time to have him. We're putting it off a couple months with COVID, but we're going to have him back again. But he—he's—he's Mister Book, and he's like, you need this book and this book. And so he always asks me when he calls, what's where, what are you preaching through? So I told him Romans. So he's sending me a book on Romans, and I'll be looking at that one as well. But this point really, really stuck out to me, and it was—and it's something that without the help of some books, I probably would have missed. And you got to understand, God does, God does help people, and. It, Give them things. Books are good. Books are not inspired, but books can help you. But you've got to be careful about the books you read, and we'll get into that another time. But every Christian should be humble. Look at verse number 11. He says, For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end you may be established. Now look at this, verse 12. That is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. As we talk about every Christian should be humble, not only does the Apostle Paul desire to be a blessing at Rome, but he knows that they will be a blessing to him as well. What you notice about Paul is that it's never about Paul. He is just as aware that they have things to share with him just as he had to share with them. Now let's be honest tonight. It's the Apostle Paul right here. He had way more to share with them than they had to share with him. Just read the scriptures about Paul. He's a special Christian. He's a good Christian. But he realized the fact that they were used of God too. And that there was things, and as we think about it, it's a shame when people get to the point in their Christian life where they feel that they've arrived and they can't be helped by someone in the Lord. Do you realize tonight a new Christian could help you that, is, that have been a Christian for 30 or 40 years? It is possible. Oh, no, no new Christian could teach me. They could. And hey, new Christian, you don't know everything either. There's someone who's been a Christian a long time who could help you. It's important. And all of us need to be reminded quite often that we all have plenty of growth in our lives that we need. And even Paul felt this, and we read in Philippians chapter 3 about that. And he knew that he hadn't gotten to the point where he obtained perfection. And he needed those around him to get the work done. To everyone who might think they can stand on their own, you can't. That's not how it works. Paul tells us 1 Corinthians 10.12, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. And God, pity the person who thinks they're on an island and they're special on their own. They don't need anybody else. Before the great missionary to India, William Carey, boarded the ship to sail. He was asked by some close friends if this was what he really wanted to do. And his reply showed the humility of his heart. And Carey said, I will go down into the pit itself if you will hold the rope. I want you to understand something tonight. As Paul said it here, I can say it for myself, and I'm going to confess something to you tonight. Are you ready for me to confess something to you? Sit there. Hold still. I've got a confession for you. So Pastor, where are you going to confess? I need each of you to do what God's called me to do. I do. I cannot do what God's called me to do without you. We're a team. We're together. It's important I need your prayers. I need your support to be able to serve the Lord to the degree that God expects me to. And you got to understand when you think about it, we need each other. God's called this church together, and a pastor cannot be all that a church needs. But sometimes that's the way it gets portrayed. A body cannot function without all the body doing its part. And Victory Baptist Church will never be the church that God intended it to be if we all aren't doing our part. Everyone has a part. And if you're not doing your part, we cannot do those things. God help us all to remember that we need one another very desperately. We're almost done here. We've only got... We've only got a few more, three more. We'll get through these. Here we go. Every Christian should be fruitful. Every Christian should be fruitful. We look at verse number 13. Now I would not have you to be ignorant, brother, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was led hereto to that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. And Paul reminds them of the fact that he wants to glorify the Lord. How do we know, how do we glorify God? Herein is my Father glorified, what did Jesus say? That ye bear much fruit. Every Christian needs to be fruitful. When we think about this point, Scripture speaks about fruit. And there's different fruit that we get into tonight. There's the fruit of attitude. Now would be love, joy, the fruits of the Spirit. There's the fruit of activity when a believer lives for the Lord and there will be activity in the life of a, and your fruit will be shown in the way you live. But then you also see that this fruit here is also talking about, and you think about the fruit of addition. That's witnessing. A Christian bearing other Christians. That's God's idea. And that's the fruit that Paul was after here. What Paul is saying is he wanted to go to Rome and win some to Jesus for the glory of God. That's what he wanted to do. And every Christian should be fruitful. Hey, you gotta learn as a Christian How to witness. Every Christian needs to be a witness. And I hear a lot of Christians, I just, it's not me. I can't do it. You gotta understand something, it's not any of us. I would be one to tell you I am one of the worst people at witnessing to people. If you want a book on what not to say when you're witnessing, I could write it. Sometimes I could put my foot right in my mouth, but that's the thing you gotta remember boldness comes to witness from the holy spirit a spirit filled christian is a bold witnessing christian i'm just i'm not boasting about anything or saying much but yesterday i mentioned masedna she was a soul winning machine and do you know what she told me yesterday that she had been praying and praying and praying for God to work yesterday. The Spirit of God used her mightily yesterday. Now, I'm not saying because others didn't have the results that she had that they weren't filled with the Spirit either. But every Christian can be a witnessing Christian. That's, it comes with the power of the Spirit. You'll be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth and how we need to witness. And whether and you've got to understand, we need to be bearing fruit. That's what that glorifies God. Be it the fruits of the Spirit in life. Be, be it are the things that we do in our life. And witnessing to others, it's so important. And let's get to these last couple and be done tonight. We see number eight. Every Christian should be obligated. I love this in verse number 14. Paul says, I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. And as Paul wrote to the Roman Christians, he felt a deep debt to those who needed to hear the gospel message. This debt, Paul felt, is seen in every area of his ministry. Man, Paul was a witnessing, he was a witnessing machine. He witnessed and he witnessed. He was driven, and he endured so much, beaten as many times as he was, all that he went through to get the gospel out. You say, why did Paul do these things? Because he felt that he was in debt to every lost person to get them the gospel. Okay, we look around us tonight. You can be wherever you stand when it comes to the virus, vaccines for it and everything else you say pastor if a vaccine comes what are you going to do i know what i'm going to do and you do what god leads you to do and leave it at that we're not going to get into arguments about it we're not going to go into detail not going to preach a whole sermon about how it's going to change everything about you it's the mark of the beast or it's this or that you can watch all your conspiracy stuff and figure that all for yourself but let's say let's throw this number out let's say the coronavirus was really a super deadly disease. There's a survival rate by the CDC of 99.98% if you're under 50 years old. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. 70 and above is 94.5%, which is still pretty good, but that's still a little higher at that age. Let's just say there was a deadly virus going around this earth and 75% of people who got it died. And let's say you were some scientist that found the cure, be it a pill, be it a shot, be it whatever the case may be. And as everyone around you, three out of four people are dying, you decide, you know what? I'm going to keep this for my family, and I'm not going to share it with the rest of the world. They can figure it out for themselves. That's awful. That's an awful spirit and attitude from someone. So think about this with me. Where would you be tonight if someone didn't share the gospel with you? You know why we're a debtor to all men around us that don't know Christ? Because of the fact that someone shared the gospel with us. Do you realize sin, there's a 100% chance of death with sin? There's no getting out of it. And there's one of two choices there's heaven or there's hell. There's no in between. I talked to a lady yesterday out here, and she was trying to tell me that heaven is whatever you experience. She's like, I'm living in heaven right now. Like, you're telling me 2020 is heaven? If that's heaven, I want nothing to do with heaven. You can keep that heaven. And I was teasing her a little bit, but I was trying to get her to realize that's not heaven. But this is the thing you got to understand, how you would feel obligated to get to mankind a cure for whatever disease it might be. Don't you feel obligated that you've been given the gospel and you should be giving the gospel to everyone around you because if they don't know Christ, they're going to die and go to hell without him. And you have been given the greatest message in all the world. You've been given the vaccine that cures 100% 100% is not 95% effective, it's not 70% effective, it's 100% effective. That whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. It's a cure. And yet we, no, 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 I'll just keep it to myself. And Paul's like, I, I'm indebted. I have to get, you know, the Lord came to me on Damascus Road and changed my life that day. And I've got to get this gospel to everyone else around me. Every Christian should be obligated. And lastly tonight, every Christian should be eager. Look at verse number 15. So, as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Now, when you look at that word ready, you think he's ready to go. That word ready means eager, that's literally what it means. And Paul is saying, I can't wait to get to Rome so that I can preach the gospel there also. Paul was excited about what he got to do. And let me just ask you tonight, and as we think about this, every Christian should be eager and excited about serving the King of Kings. Isn't it true that we often, we get excited about a lot of things. Hey, my football team finally won a game today, and Joe had to wear my jersey tonight. I've I'm glad about that. We get excited and eager about the craziest things. My basketball team won a championship or this or that happened. We should be eager and we should be excited about the work of God. Paul was excited about it. You might get excited about fishing or hunting or smoking meat. I don't know what the case may be. But when it comes to witnessing Where are the people who line up and say, I'm just excited and eager to just do something for God? The word eager also implies a sense of urgency. And Paul knows that there's only a limited amount of time. And do you realize, church, we are getting closer to the return of Christ. And as we get closer to his return tonight, time is running out. And I'm 35. I've been pastoring now for 10 years Those 10 years have gone by very fast. If the Lord allows, I would love to still be preaching the gospel for 50 years. That is if I can carry on and not repeat the same sentence over and over again and still be able to walk up here and, you know, we'll see what happens when I get to that age. But time goes by pretty quick. You've got one life to live. And we get excited about all the wrong things. My friend, we too need a sense of urgency about our service for God. We've got to realize that one day soon our time is going to end. What did Jesus say? I must work the works of him that sent me. While it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. I think it's safe to say tonight that Paul represents what every Christian should be. I wonder if you could take these nine things and see some areas in your own life that you need to work on. Every Christian needs to be thankful. Every Christian should be committed to God. Every Christian should be prayerful. Every Christian should be surrendered. Every Christian should be usable. Every Christian should be humble. Every Christian should be fruitful. Every Christian should be obligated to get the gospel out, and every Christian should be eager to do the work of God. That's what we need tonight. We haven't even broke into all the doctrine of the book of Romans yet, and there's a lot of doctrine here, and we're going to cover that for a while. This is just his opening. So much. Let's get eager to do God's work. The fact that God would use any of us is just an amazing thing. And someday we're all going to stand before him and we're going to give an account to God for what we do with our lives. May we be like Paul. May we have a desire and Paul's desire was just to bring glory and honor to God and to be used wherever God would use him. Would that be your prayer tonight in your life? That's what we need. We need an urgency, some fire, some zeal, some something in us to get the gospel out. Man as our country is doing what operation warp speed to get a vaccine out they're cutting they're doing all these things you say is it going to be safe you can figure it all out for yourself i think it's going to be as safe as other things the only thing they don't know at the end of the day is any long-term effects of it because it hasn't been that long and you can figure all that out when you look at it but for a virus that's 99.98 percent you can get over under 50 years old. Heaven and hell, death, happens no matter what. It always happens. I wish Christians would be as eager to do the things of God as this world is with all its stuff. You know, you think about all those that go out and protest the Black Lives Matters, and we could go on a lot of different areas with that stuff. Where are the Christians who stand up for the gospel? Where are the Christians preaching the truth? You have all these people, abortion rights and all that. Where are the Christians that are standing up against abortion? Where are the Christians standing up for what the Lord would have? Man, Paul, this is a convicting passage to me because there's lots of things that we could do as we move forward for God.